Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn. You're listening to Living Wealthy Radio here on Talk Radio, 1370 AM, streaming live at talk1370.com. I'm Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. When was the last time you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, yes, I am happy with what I see? Do you struggle with dieting and weight loss goals or perhaps feel like you'll just never have the looks you had in your 20s? Or maybe you are in your 20s and feel like you just don't know which health and beauty tips to follow and which lifestyle to follow so that you age gracefully. Well, today's show is especially for the ladies, but stay tuned, gentlemen. Everyone wants to look and feel great, and it's not as difficult as you might think. Our guest, Mary Lou Henner, yes, that Mary Lou Henner actress, best-selling author, health and beauty guru. She founded the wildly successful Total Health Makeover, and she's going to share some of her tips and tricks with us for looking and feeling our best. Welcome to the show, Mary Lou. And I must say, I have followed your career for many decades now, and you have reinvented yourself, at least from the public eyes, you know, my perception over and over again, and just love, love uh, what you've done and who you are. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, I, I, I always, I, I think my background had a lot to do with it. I grew up in a crazy, fa- like fun, crazy family, crazy in the best way, not crazy, crazy, but, uh, you know, my family. <laughs> There's a lot of dancing. crazy. Yeah, I love, uh, yeah. Uh, in, in Chicago, in like, you know, lower, lower middle class neighborhood in Chicago, but uh, we were so, we were kind of the Kennedys of Logan Square, because everybody hung out at our house, because we had this dancing school in our backyard. My father built a fake garage for my mother, or he had it built, a fake three-car garage for my mother, and um, we had a dancing school in our backyard with 200 students between the ages of 2 and 80, including the nuns from the Catholic school grammar school next door who came over for stretch classes so we had all wow. these kids over in the house all the time and somewhere in the neighborhood somewhere everyone had their first kiss someplace on our property but that wasn't enough for my mother she, it wasn't enough she was a dancing teacher and each one of us taught a class from the time we were 14 uh she also ran a beauty shop in our kitchen with 25 women from the neighborhood who would come over and get their hair done. And the kitchen was set up not as a kitchen, but as a hair salon. Oh and in gosh. fact, the refrigerator was in the basement and there was a blue hair drying chair where the refrigerator was supposed to be. And my mother's younger brother lived upstairs from us. Uh, everybody in the neighborhood called him uncle. And he lived up there with 10 cats, two dogs, two birds, a skunk, 150 fish, and his boyfriend, Charles. And he taught art at the Catholic grammar school next door and had art classes going on upstairs while the dancing school was going on in the backyard. The beauty shop was going on in the kitchen. And he was also the neighborhood astrologist. And he ran a cat hospital on our roof. People had sick cats. They brought them over to the house. So I grew up with this kind of wild, eclectic kind of background where so many people were wearing so many hats that I've never thought of it as my inventing, reinventing myself as much as it is I'm finally doing what I learned from my mother, and that's to spin a lot of plates, wear a lot of hats, you know, bring your wheelhouse and turn it into different businesses. So what does a boring day look like for you? 
can't even imagine, right? Well, it starts with my radio show. I, I was doing my show early in the morning, you know, taping it or recording it or doing it live. I was doing it from 5 till 8. Now I'm doing it from 9 till 12, but it plays sometimes at different times throughout the country. Um, I started doing the radio show a few years ago, and uh, but I'm still doing, I'm doing 10 Hallmark movies, and I'm writing my 10th book. I'm doing uh, something for the Food Network. I'm getting ready to do a Broadway show. I'm the consultant on Unforgettable, and I've got a brain memory game in development. So I, I'm always doing a lot of different things. So, you know, somebody said, oh, it's because you're an empty nester now. You know, your kids have gone away to school. And I said, no, no, no. You become an empty nester in Los Angeles when they start to drive. <laughs> so, you know, that's when you start doing all the things that you think you'll do when they're an empty nester, when you're an empty nester. So, so. I'd love to explore more of your mindset. Um, many of us know that you've got, and, and I forget what it's called, but a, a memory that doesn't forget. You remember everything. Right. And it's what, called Highly Superior Autobiographical Memory, okay. or HSAM. Okay. And yeah. describe what that's like for those well, listeners that, that aren't familiar with it. Most people remember 8 to 11 events within any year, and those of us who have this virtually remember, you know, every day of their lives. And they've they've run tests, you know, they wire you, they put you up, they put you through an MRI, they've taken 300 measurements of my brain and those of us who have this HSAM, and they found nine areas in our brains that are 10 times larger than the normal brain. So when you see the when you see the MRIs, you go, huh sort of takes your breath away. It's pretty freaky looking, but it's cool. I mean, it's, you know, I'm just excited because I get to use every aspect of my life. And I've been talking about this for years and years. I mean, for years, I've people have known this if they know me. And it's only recently with the whole 60 Minutes thing that, that uh, in the last couple of years that, um, that it's actually something you know, that has a name to it. So, so is your, and, and I don't know that you can separate this, but the fact that you are involved in so many different projects and you've got so many different um, parts of your personality that you um, integrate into your life, right? You mm-hmm. do the health and the beauty, and that takes one set of, of skills, and you've got the acting and the drama and the writing and the um, radio, is that special because you've got that special brain, or well, can any I mean, one of us have that kind help. of life? It certainly helps me keep it all organized and cross-connect information. You know, I, I mean, what I love about doing radio right now is I keep saying it's the, the perfect combination. It's got the best of all the different things I love to do. You know, it has the immediacy of a live performance, because I, I do my club act, too, all over the country. Uh, but I, it, it's got the immediacy of a live performance. It has the personal expression of writing a book. It has the storytelling of a film. It has the global reach of doing a long-running sitcom. And it has the excitement of a Broadway opening night, but it's every single day. So you have that combination of all those things. And I feel one of the advantages having the memory that I have or the, the way I get to use it is nothing is wasted. You know, everything I read can turn into a radio topic. Any radio topic lends itself to a story that I remember. So, you know, I'm always trying to help people uh, spark their memories and by kind of using mine all the time, I get to sort of use it, you know, while I'm doing the show. So what reason do you think God gave you that amazing ability for? Well, I always say it's because, you know, every kid in my family deserved something different from their brothers and sisters. (laughs) Because when you're one of six kids, you're looking for something that makes you a little bit different. So I don't know. I mean, I guess he knew I had a big mouth and uh, would be able to use it to maybe help other people. (laughs) I don't know. 
<laughs> Maybe. And that's Maybe. what you're doing. I right? think that's part of it. Yeah. And what do you love most about what you do every day? Um, well, I love that not only do I get to use my entire brain and that nothing is wasted, but every person I know, I can sort of get on the radio or talk to them or spark their brains or, you know, I just, I, I love, I've always been somebody who really enjoys my life. And so this is just adds another layer to it, you know. So in addition to all the other things that I get to do, now I get to do something every single day and it sort of grounds the day, you know, as well. Gives it kind of a framework. How do the people closest to you in your life um, deal with all of your talents? Because I, I would think well, that would be like if you were my mom growing up and I see you and you're so beautiful and talented and oh. got this amazing brain. How like I would I would think, gosh, you know, I don't have those talents. Oh, well, my boys. I mean, I have two sons, maybe, you know, and they I mean, if anything, they 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 tease me about stuff. And, uh, you know, people always say, oh, is there any downside to having this memory? And I always say <laughs> only for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably why I'm on my third and final. Um, but he, my husband, Michael, always says, what man ever wins an argument against his wife anyway? At least I have an excuse. That's true. That's yeah. true. Awesome. So, but I don't, you know, I don't look at it that way. I, I, I mean, I don't look at it as, as oh, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's pretty unusual, and I'm grateful for that. But, you know, it's not like my family is sitting back on the sides saying, oh, my gosh, you know, this is too much. If anything, they uh, they get a kick out of it. You know, my, my siblings will say, do a week from our childhood. Or remember that time we did this? What day was that? And when, what were we doing? And what was I wearing? And was so-and-so there? And, you know, so they use it as a frame of reference. Awesome. So when did you become passionate about your health and beauty? Well, I came to it through personal tragedy because I had this fabulous upbringing with my parents, and then my father died at a, during a Christmas party uh, that we were having in the dancing studio. He had a massive heart attack that wiped him out in like two minutes. Mm. And um, I was 17 at the time. I was a senior in high school and um, just, you know, preparing to go to colleges and applying and trying to find out where I was going to go. And... Um, Basically, what happened is after he died, I sort of ate my feelings, and I ballooned up to 54 pounds heavier than I am today, and just was not happy, did not have great health, started college at the University of Chicago, did not start it at my best in terms of the way I felt, the way I looked, all those things. And I was kind of walking around in a fog during that time, uh, you know, dealing with my dad's death, and... Um, so I ate my feelings. You know, I wasn't eating well. I basically ate my feelings. And then I became a stupid yo-yo dieter, and I'd go up and down and up and down. And then when my mother became ill with arthritis, uh, I said to myself, I better learn, you know, I'm not going to eat my feelings this time. And when I watched her suffer in the hospital, because my mother was basically teaching dancing in December, Went to bed with the flu in January. It was a brutal Chicago winter, so she went into the hospital in February. She had her leg amputated in April, and she died in May. Mm. But while I was watching my mother in the hospital, I had this epiphany because I said, wow, every single thing the doctors are doing to her, her body is trying to make sense of it. Can you imagine if you started doing the right things for your body? You know, because they were cutting her up and... You know, just giving her all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so I made a vow, and I said, you know, I made a pact with God and said, if, if she lives, she gets out of this hospital alive, I'm going to learn everything I can about the human body and change her life and mine. 
and if she dies, I'm going to do everything to help my brothers and sisters and me. So she passed away, and after that, I became this obsessive student of health. I mean, I just learned everything I could. I went to uh, doctors and nutritionists and the Bodhi tree, which is a famous um, uh, kind of health food, you know, like a a bookstore here, like a natural bookstore. And I took human anatomy classes at UCLA. And I started experimenting on myself, and I started to put a program together for myself. And it took me about eight years to figure out what I should do and how I should eat. And then when I started writing, I started counseling people, and people knew what I was doing. And they said, wow, you look better than you did years ago. What are you doing? And, you know, so I'd be working with people. And then someone offered me a book deal because I was helping her with her kids. So Judith Regan, who was working at uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, HarperCollins at the time, she offered me a book deal, and she said, I want you to write a book about all this great advice that you're giving me for my kids and for myself. So I was doing the Broadway show Chicago at the time, and I was giving lectures on matinee days to the kids in the, the ensemble. And I'd make these tapes. And then I was so revved up from all the fossey during the show that I would go into a, uh, uh, you know, uh, like a, you know, somebody's home who was typing for me and helping me write the book. And we would work till about two in the morning. Then I'd go home and get my kids up for school. It's seven in the morning and, uh, and just worked on the book. So when I finished the Broadway show Chicago, a couple weeks later, the book came out. It became a, a New York Times bestseller, and it led to eight more books after that. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it came from personal tragedy. It was losing my father at 52 of a heart attack, being 17, eating my failings, putting on weight. And then a few years later, my mom was 58. Um, I was 25, turning 26 when she died. And, uh, you know, finding a whole new way of relating to food and health and, and everything else. So I became healthy just to make sense of my parents' deaths. I did not want their deaths to be in vain. And they died so young. Oh, right? very young. Very, Super very young. young. He was 58. He was 52. Yeah. And, you know, taking that personal tragedy and, you know, learning about health, that's, sure. I mean, amazing gift because you look you look stunning. You oh, look vibrant, you. energetic. You've got great energy. Uh, and you, you're aging Thanks. exactly like we all want to age. Mm-hmm. Well, I call it, you know, you have to learn to love the food that loves you. You know, we all know what food likes us and what food doesn't. And, you know, it's trial and error for a while. And I was certainly eating the wrong things for myself. I was... Big, I used to be very big on eating dairy products, and basically I was allergic to it because I have such a dairy sensitivity, as do most of us because we're not baby calves, you know. It never made once I once somebody said to me, well, wait a minute, you know, all dairy, it's a, all dairy does is it's, it's breast milk for a baby calf, which you aren't. And I thought, yeah, all dairy's supposed to do is turn a, a 50-pound calf into a 300-pound cow in six months. You know, so if those are your aspirations, knock yourself out. You know, it really has nothing to do with our skeletal structure, our, 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 you know, it's got the wrong hormones for us and the wrong balance of calcium and vitamin D and magnesium and everything. And once I gave up dairy products, it really changed my life a lot. So uh, in my first book, Total Health Makeover, I talk about the 10 steps I took to change my eating habits. You know, everything from giving up diet soda. I was drinking about a gallon and a half, two gallons of tab a day. I gave that up and then moved on to, you know, meat and sugar and dairy and so many other things, caffeine and, and whatnot. So um, 
I outline it for people in, in the Total Health Makeover, and I always say, you know, pick a step, and I want you to feel like a winner, so figure out your own step-by-step. But once you start getting healthy, then you, can't, you, you want to continue. It's like, okay, well, what's around the corner? You know, what, what's next for me? And, and a lot of times, you know, we're all in different places in our health journey. So a lot of times it's four steps forward, three steps back, eight steps forward, nine steps back, you know, back and forth, and you keep trying things. I used to uh, eat a certain way in L.A., and then I'd go home to visit my family in Chicago and say, okay, well, this is my Chicago way of eating. And then after trip after trip of feeling horrible, when I came back, I said, that's just not me anymore. So... so- Besides the steps, and, and I do want to get into those a little bit more, but what's the mindset? Because I think everything starts with a mindset. Everything starts yeah, oh, with your, a belief. Your brain, is your, it's the most powerful thing you know. I mean, it's, like a, it's, it's more powerful than an atom bomb in terms of it's determining your life. You know, it's like the epicenter of everything that you do. And I think that a lot of times people don't, you know, they don't want to either take responsibility for changing their mindset. They're happier to stay kind of in a rut because it's safer, it's easier, they know it. They don't know if they're going to survive a different change of thought. You know, I'm big on changing normal, and in order to change normal, it's got to start in your brain. So, you know, I, I think what was happening with me is that I was I was reading all of this incredible information, which was making so much sense after my parents died, and then I wasn't living it. I, I felt like I was still acting out with my body. You know, I was still kind of taking out that toy box of feelings. It was so easy for me to swing my weight, you know, 20, 25 pounds, up and down and up and down, because I'd been doing it for so many years, and it was easy for me. And I, one day I just said, well, wait a minute. If I weren't playing with this stupid toy box of 20 pounds up and down, what else would I be doing? What else would I be taking responsibility for? You know, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready to do something different. So, so you changed your normal. Happened. Your well, normal I changed was... My normal. I changed my normal completely. And you continue to change your normal as you progress because progress is not linear, right? It's not, oh, right. Uh, it, it's like you said, back and yeah. forth, up and down, right? Right, of course. So of every course. time you got to a different normal, you yeah. decided, okay, what's not working for me here? Exactly. What do I need exactly. to change? In fact, my next book, it's my 10th book, it's called Love, Detox, and Changing Normal How I Help My Husband Beat Cancer. Because it's all about the journey my husband and I took. He and I knew each other in college. He was my college roommate's boyfriend. We, I didn't dare twinkle in his direction. I always thought he was this great guy. They broke up second year at the University of Chicago. And then we ran into each other in a courthouse when I was marrying my first husband. And I thought, how come I'm not marrying a guy like this, you know, like that, as he walked away from me? And then we reconnected 20 years later. And uh, within a week, we were saying, I love you. And within two months, he was diagnosed with two cancers, bladder cancer and lung cancer. So I took him around the country, and we put a protocol together for him that didn't involve chemo or radiation. And he was, you know, he had two very serious cancers. But he went through so much detox and totally changed his normal. So the book is called Love, Detox, and Changing Normal, How I Helped My Husband Beat Cancer. He's been in remission almost 12 years now. This year it'll be 12 years. And he was diagnosed a little over 12 years ago. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, What about your first two marriages? Um, Well, what what do you want to know about them? (laughs) (laughs) What about them? Well, I'm still friendly with both my ex-husbands. We talk all the time. Uh, My first husband and I were together two years. He's an actor. He was nominated for an Academy Award for The Rose. His name's Frederick Forrest. 
great guy, brilliant, brilliant actor, a real character. And uh, my second husband and I, he's one of my best friends, and he and I have the two boys. We parent the boys together, and, uh, and um, you know, we double date. Michael and I double date with Rob and his new wife. So, so what had oh. to change there? What, what normal did you have to change to get the relationship you have today? Um, you mean in terms of whatever? I'm not quite sure of the question. So, so, what, what you mean, like in health wise, or well, relationship? I, I, what normal? I had to change. I had to get a divorce and have the relationship <laughs> that I have today, and leave myself open for a new relationship. But my divorce had been final for six months before Michael called me, and we had not seen each other for 20 years. So it's not like you know, we didn't have to step over any bodies to to be together. We had I had already been divorced from Rob. So, you know, that was a big normal that I had to change. Mm. And and uh, we're all much happier with the, the people we're with, and the boys seem to have adjusted well. And even during the process, I think because we did the divorce together and we worked really hard to make sure that the kids couldn't divide and conquer and that we never bad-mouthed one another and we shared custody. And we had a very amicable divorce and... Um, you know, my son, Nikki always says, no, I thought it was kind of cool to have two houses, and I could go to all of you. I have four great parents now, and, you know, and they love Michael. I mean, they just love him. So it, it was, it, we all ended up in the right places. Because as far as Hollywood's concerned, right, the standard of Hollywood, there's n- there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of drama in your life. Um, or at least oh, compared to you mean my life compared to their, uh, just, their dramas compared to just in general right with with being a Hollywood right celebrity yeah. and being in that environment there's so much drama yeah well I think you know first of all don't believe everything you read in the tabloids that's number one but also I'm I'm such a Midwest girl you know with that Midwest work ethic and family's the most important thing you know I would have to say that my family my essence is is much more about my family than it is about my career. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, and also, I had an advantage having, you know, being one of six kids. I think there's something that you learn very early in life, not you can't be a brat because, or a diva, because, you know, if you, if you pull the tantrum in my family, it's like, okay, uh, go have the tantrum in your room because there's a party in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? It's like you were left behind. Nobody indulged anybody in a tantrum because you were just left behind if you had one. So... It's about getting along with people, learning to compromise, share, all those things. All those good things that you get from a big family. In terms of parenting and health, you raise Mm -hmm. your your children uh, with healthy habits? Yes. Um, Well, my son, Nicky, used to say when he was two and a half, Mommy says no screaming, no biting, no dairy products, no sugar. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of summed it up. (laughs) No, my kids have always been very healthy in terms of the way they eat, uh, and they're strong and tall and smart. And, you know, I have a major athlete in one of my brothers, my sons, my brothers, in, in my sons. And the other one, uh, they're both really, really smart. One of my sons is an international bridge player. They both kind of want to be in the business. One goes, One's a junior at Columbia. The other one's a freshman at Northwestern. So Great schools. It's done very well, yeah. And when they went, went off to school, did they keep the, the healthy habits that you raised them with? They just 
eat this way. You know, it's funny. People always say, wait, your kids have never had a glass of milk or they've never had a cheeseburger or they don't, you know, they scrape the frosting off the cake. Wait, your son likes salads? You know, I remember taking my son his lunch on the football field because we had to, the moms had to bring a lunch. And he said, Mom, you forgot my tofu sticks. <laughs> you know, in the history of football, no one has ever uttered those words. But meanwhile, he's got a brilliant memory. And so he was the one that had all the plays. He had memorized the 200 plays, you know, and he got fabulous grades and high test scores and everything else. So, you know. It's like, and people always say to my kids, well, what about the food and everything? And they say, and my son Joey always says, I like the food. I don't get sick. I have no complaints. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that yeah. awesome? Compared well, to... they're used to it. They have the palate. You know, I think parents, you know, kids will have a natural palate up until they're five, and then the world has come in. But if you mess up with your kids, if you mess up your child's palate early on in life, you're going to have battles the rest of your life. I mean, kids kids won't overeat. They gravitate toward healthier food. Uh, they really, you know, they're, they're more into fruits and vegetables than parents give them credit for being. Parents are the ones who tend to, like, over-salt, over-sugar. So then the child has this unnatural palate, and they only taste extreme flavors, extreme salt and extreme sugar, you know. And so um, parents have pretty much ruined their kids. Or they, like, shovel the food in so the kid doesn't have a natural appetite. I used to put a drop cloth down and let my kids feed themselves because then they find their own relationship with food. They find their own rhythm. They, you know, I remember uh, I said to somebody, said, well, what should I uh, pack for my kids' lunch? And I always said, whatever you feel like eating in the car on the way home. Because if you get kids invested in packing their own lunch, they're going to feel like, okay, this is my lunch. And they, you know, they'll eat it. They'll eat it so much more. I mean, people couldn't believe the way my kids ate when they were in, when they'd bring their lunch to school, you know, and this was before people, it, it's, it's much more popular now. I mean, my boys are 19 and 20, but when they were little, they wanted hummus and they wanted seaweed, you know, nori, uh, sheets of nori mm-hmm. and those little seaweed things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, edamame for lunch. I did. I, I raised my son very similar, except mm. when he was about three years old. For the, he went to a birthday party, and for the first time, he had a sip of Coke. Which oh. serving Coke to three-year-olds Crazy is three-year-olds. insane. No. It's and insane. He he'd never had it before. He tasted it and immediately loved it. I mean, I could see his little sugar. face. The sugar. the sugar. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Kitty cocaine. That's what I call it. It is exactly kitty that. Kitty cocaine. It is it's a drug. cocaine. Uh, you know, kitty cocaine. I always say that all you have, you, you just have to watch at a birthday party. Parents serve the cake, and within 20 minutes, the little girls are crying, and the boys have turned anything into a sword, you know, and they're just running around and fighting and screaming and... You know. Well, the spec studies have showed, right? The, yeah. the brain scans, they, you know, sure. the center of the brain with sugar, when you have sugar, how it lights up, it's the same exact center of the brain when you do cocaine. Yeah, for sure. Kitty cocaine. That's, I know. That's I called a- it that in my in Total Health Makeover. People said, are you going to put that in the book? And I said, yeah, as a mother, I see it. Right. Kitty cocaine. It's That's exactly what it, is. what it is. For women, I'm always saying, sugar is the devil. It just wants to get into your pants. <laughs> Fill them out. <laughs> Because <laughs> you put on all that weight in those, like, very female parts of your bodies, you know, your hips, your stomach, things like that. Because it's very yin. It's very expansive. So it goes right to the female parts. Well, let's take a quick break. Um, okay. When we get back, we'll discuss even more common sense tips for um, just living and looking healthy and fabulous. We are with Marilou Henner, and this is Teresa Kuhn with Living Wealthy Radio. 
Living Wealthy Radio. Visit Teresa's team online at livingwealthyradio.com, 1-800-382-0830 now. Call 1-800-382-0830. Welcome back, Austin, to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. If you are just now joining us, we are speaking with Mary Lou Henner. Yes, that Mary Lou Henner, the founder of the Total Health Makeover about how anyone can look and feel young, healthy, and beautiful. So Mary Lou, I I have to ask you, have you ever had any issues, uh, addicted type of issues with um, alcohol or food or anything else that, that you had to overcome? No, um, I haven't. I mean, I, you know, I definitely was a yo-yo dieter, so I'd make, not make, sometimes make up, go on these stupid diets, you know, and I would just, you know, try, try different things like the space food stick diet or, oh, let me, let me like eat for a day, uh, just anything that does, isn't really in calorie books, like, uh, orange rinds and just stupid things. I was like trying to always invent ways to kind of, you know, I'll show me sort of trick myself because I loved food. You know, I never, I never was bulimic or or anorexic or anything because I, I wanted to eat the food and I wanted, but I definitely would try dumb things like, Oh, let me go on the ice cream diet, you know, three days of just a half a gallon of ice cream a day. And then I wondered why I was fat constipated and had pimples. You know, somebody said, oh, if you eat ice cream every day, it'll dehydrate you, which was not true. Or I was so addicted to cheese that I thought, oh, I'll just buy a pound of Jarlsberg that's like 1,700 calories, and I'll just chip away at it all day for three days in a row and buy, you know, eat three pounds of Jarlsberg for three days. And then I was, I wondered why I was fat constipated and had pimples, you know. And I was always like trying to make up these crazy diets of some of my favorite foods that I was craving that weren't that good for me. But in terms of, of like issues with, you know, alcohol or drugs or anything like that, I was, I think because I always wanted to be an actress that, uh, you know, people tease me. They say, come on, you were, it, you remember the seventies? That's because you really didn't live the seventies like the rest of us. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, the rest of us didn't remember it. I was an alcohol kind of person. I think I, I, I like sort of having my wits about me. So, you know, I, I mean, I definitely love food. I just had to find the food that loved me right back. Mm-hmm. You know, call, I always call it learn to love the food that loves you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, I wanted to say something about the fact that I think taking responsibility for the things that you do, that that's a big one for people because I think we always want to blame other you know, other things, and we feel like, oh, we're too late, we can't do this, there's no time, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too poor, I'm too, I don't have the job I want, uh, I'm under stress. You know, there's like a whole list of reasons why we feel like we can't be healthy. Or, well, I can eat, you know, my friend can eat anything, but I can't, you know, all these things. And I think that what it really does, you have to like say, first of all, you're never too young or too old to feel better than you do right now, and that every day you can be making a little improvements so that within a year, it's really like time is on your side. You know, you can be better in a year than you are. You can be better in a year than you are today if you just start tweaking your life a little bit and start to make some of these small changes, you know, whether it's in movement or hydration or food choices or setting up your environment to win, you know, because I'm always saying you might, you could go on the best eating program or have the intention to go on it, the best eating program that you think 
will work for you, but until you examine your whole life and look at your kitchen, your closet, your bedroom, your bathroom, your morning routine, until you set up your entire life, all those places to start with, until you set them up to support a healthy new lifestyle, the whole thing's going to fall apart. So you have to have the mindset that you are now going to set up your environment to win to make sure that whatever it is that you're doing with your food, for example, it's now going to be, you know, have that kind of support behind it. So I think it's responsibility. I think, I think it's hard for people to take responsibility. A lot of times people feel like, oh, you know, I'm victimized by my situation or by my age or by my looks or by my genetics or whatever. But I'm here to tell you, you can change everything. You can tweak anything to make it work better for yourself. You know what amazes me? And I thankfully made a choice not to drink or, or do drugs. And um, I have lots of friends that will, will eat very healthy throughout the week, but then drink so much when mm-hmm. they go out. And just the alcohol, just the sugar content in the alcohol. Yeah, and the cortisol, you know, just all those things that kind of change your body chemistry. Plus, it affects your sleep, so the next day you're playing catch-up. You know, you're not getting sleep because people usually, if they drink, they they wake up about four hours later, and then you need kind of... Uh, you know, the, the, the heavy caffeine to get you kick-started, and then later in the day, or like heavy meat and salt because... The dehydration. And the dehydration. But, you know, it's like after you have alcohol, which is very has high sugar content, what do you want? You want like something with a lot of salt to it. So you wake up and you have something very salty and very concentrated in that direction, fatty, whatever. So you're, you're constantly playing recovery. But I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, you know. So you might set yourself up to fail, even though you're, yeah. you're doing all these things right, you know, either the alcohol or not moving enough or not setting up your environment in the right way to support the changes that mm-hmm. you're making. Right, um, exactly. You're sabotaging yourself. Yeah, it's I'll show me. I'll show me. Let me take my little inner brat. I'll show me. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel like you got to put your inner brat in the corner once in a while. <laughs> so yeah. the environment, speak more about that. Well, I just feel like, you know, I, I see so many people who who say, oh, I really want to eat healthy, so I'm going to do this. And then they, they, you know, their kitchen is completely disorganized. You can't even find the healthy food. You've got all these food saboteurs around. You don't have the right, uh, you know, either the right uh, knives or the right storage containers to sort of cut up vegetables or make a salad or, you know, just little tweaky type things like that. Or your bathroom has horrible lighting in it. So even if you want to put your makeup on to enhance a, a healthy inner glow that you have kind of going for you, your your makeup comes off in a garish way because your lighting is terrible in the bathroom. You know, or your closet is so disorganized that you're spending 20 minutes in the morning looking for something that makes you look thin or makes you look and feel better because you can't find anything in there. Whereas if you organized it once and for all, you'd probably have an extra 20 minutes in the morning to do a little stretching or exercise or walk around your neighborhood a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's everything, you know, everything's connected to everything. So trying to set this environment up to win so that every room kind of supports the other rooms. And you kind of set it up. Or, or let's say your morning routine, uh, you're sabotaging yourself if you're not getting enough sleep at night and you're not 
um, waking yourself up maybe 15 minutes early so that you're not always stressed and rushed and grabbing just a coffee and a donut or whatever you're grabbing out the door or saying, okay, well, I'll wait till I eat till I get to work, you know. So it all works together. You know, everything's connected to everything, so you have to look at everything in a total picture. That's why I called my first book Total Health Makeover, because I knew that health was not just a single thing. It wasn't just what you ate. It's everything from the inside out, the outside in, everything in between. It's how you think. It's how you relate to people. It's how you dress. It's how you see yourself. It's how you carry your body. It's how you impress people in that first uh, second-and-a-half snapshot that everybody takes of you when they meet you. So, you know, it's all one big picture. How do you handle stress? Um, it's funny. When I, when I will feel stressed about something, and I've done this since I was a little kid, I'll organize something or I'll clean something or I'll just, you know, I'll give myself a task. I guess it's the actress in me, too. It's, it's like when you're in a scene on stage and you're, you're having a conversation or you're doing something, if you give yourself either a prop or you give yourself a task on stage, it looks like behavior, and it's much more natural. So it's easier to say the lines, relate to the characters on stage. You know, it's, it's business. It's stuff that you do. And I think that I gravitate to that. When If I'm stressed about something, I'll, like, put it into some kind of activity. You know, I could see it. My son, who's the athlete, if he's, like, stressed or he had to study for a test, he'd go out and shoot some baskets in our driveway. You know, and I could see that just kind of burning that steam kind of calmed him down in a way. I'm, I'm that way with exercise, too. I, I love to walk. I love to do Pilates and dance around my house or whatever. So I'll either I'll, I'll, I'll physicalize it in some way or I will write or I will organize something. And you're, do you do strength exercises? Are you doing resistance training? Or? Yeah, I do. I mean, I do a lot of things, uh, Pilates mat, and I also resist a band type exercises because I travel a lot. So I'm always bringing my bands and stuff with me. Yeah. I can work out anywhere, but I love to walk. Walking is meditative for me as well. And for stress exercise you know the happy happy hormones right that mm-hmm. it creates um sure. it's it's changing your physiology it's changing um your mental state so that it, you know when we're down or when we're tired uh i think our resistance level our willpower um goes down oh, it all goes out the window oh no absolutely i think that we knew you know and also i think that you you start throwing your own little pity party or you you know i i call it your attention units are starting to implode it's like i see them as little antennae and if you if if it's kind of turned inward then you're always feeling like oh everybody's looking at me and they they're looking at this and they're doing that and you want to say uh forget about it everybody's paying attention to themselves so don't worry about that (laughs) right it's true and movement you know does raise so important oh so important well you know i always say your cat stretches you take your dog for a walk your hamster's on a hamster wheel you know you're this beautiful human animal so move you've got to move you've got to make it all work together you know we're a series of pumps as well we got to keep our heart pumping and and everything else so it's it's great to move. Our lymph system, our everything. Lymphatic, everything, everything. All of it. You know, I, get, a, get a small rebounder, which is a small mini trampoline. If you do it just for two minutes, it's like shaking up the orange juice, right? You think about your lymphatic mm-hmm. system. Um, and you just do it for two, in, two minutes, uh, low impact. The hour after you do it, it'll triple your white blood cell count. You know, my husband does it five times a day. Does he really? 
Yeah, uh-huh. he's got, we've got a couple around the house, and he does it at work. And it's the best thing if you're, if you're stuck on an idea or something, you should you know, not only have a glass of water because it's probably your brain is dehydrated, but you also should get moving. And it's like low impact on a, um, on a, a, a rebounder yep. you know, or a mini trampoline. Yep, they're mm-hmm. awesome. I, also, I, I will also just pump my knees sometimes. Just go up and down, pump my knees, because that, yeah, that gets you, sure. your body moving. And it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, whenever I, I chat with someone who tells me, or I could just sense they're just down, not feeling well, hey, change your physiology. What have you done? What, you know, right. go for a walk. Smile. Do something. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Shake it off, you know, get, get, get out of your bad self. Because I think that's the problem. I think we've gotten so into our own world, you know, with our own little smartphones and our own little cars and our own little music and our own little conversations and our own little timelines and our own little Facebook and all of that. So we're so stuck in our own little worlds that we don't get out of it once in a while. Mm-hmm. And no wonder we're imploding, you know. So. And we're isolated. Yeah, for sure. I think there is an undercurrent of depression um, mm-hmm. with so many people today. Um, mostly, I, I, you know, middle-aged and I think younger people are just really, really struggling. Um, yeah. And I think it has to do with the isolation they feel. And, they're, and the comparison. You know, I mean, that's the thing you learn early on in life if you're an actor. You cannot make comparisons. To, nobody does you better than you. So you want to be the best version of yourself. Because if you start comparing yourself to other people, you know, that's not what a true star does. So you learn very early on in being an actor that you can't make comparisons to other people. You have to bring something to the party that is uniquely yours, and you have to figure out what that is. And I think it's a good life lesson for everybody, you know, because when we compare ourselves to other people, it's really, you know, it, it, it's so uh, it, 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 it's so self sabotaging because because you're you're going to stop your own progress by comparing yourself to somebody else. You know, stay in your lane and keep going, forging ahead with your path. I mean, take advice from people, open up the nine hundred lines, get a lot of different input, but then you decide how to, you know finally hone and, and craft your, uh, you know, your behaviors, your points of view, you know, what is uniquely yours. And that's how you figure yourself out. Well, I think one of the things you bring to the table is your, your gusto for living, your energy. Oh, energy. That's the name of my company, but one of the companies. One of them is Pepper, Perpetual Motion. The other one is um, energy. <laughs> so, energy. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And so that energy comes from healthy living, being healthy, being vibrant, but also mindset. Yeah, and loving what I do. I mean, it makes a big difference when you love what you do. When, you, when you've set up your life to sort of support the things that you love to do, and then they all start working together, you know, it, it, it makes a big difference. You know, the times in my life when I can look back and say, oh, that wasn't, something wasn't right. There was always something off, something out of balance, and I had to get it back in balance, you know, so. What do you mean when you say you do everything with gusto? Oh, well, gusto to me is, you know, kind of taking the wild ride of life. Uh, you know, you have a good attitude. You see your things as the glass half full. Uh, you recognize that plan B is probably what's going to happen to your life. And I'm always saying that, you know, the key to your life is how well you deal, deal with plan B, what actually happens rather than just what you planned on happening. You know, because here you can plan for plan A, you can hope for plan A, you can gear up for plan A, but what actually happens to you in your life is plan B. And sometimes 
you can either be dragged kicking and screaming to plan B and be miserable, or you could say, oh, wait a minute, what is this? What was around that corner? I didn't foresee this, but all of a sudden I'm doing this instead of that. My plan A didn't work out. Here's plan B. So, you know, what, what's, what is the value in, in this and what's the gold? You know, so I think I think keeping yourself open, you know, having having uh, a focus and an agenda somewhat, but make sure that it's loose enough or fluid enough so that you can take on some new things that life presents you. Does your thinking have a, a spiritual basis at all? Your mindset? Oh, definitely. I've always felt, you know, I was raised a Catholic school girl, went to Catholic school my entire life, 13 years, from kindergarten through senior year in high school, and I've always felt very, very connected. I mean, don't forget, we were next door to a Catholic school with the nuns coming over for stretch classes and haircuts, <laughs> and so we had backstage passes to Catholicism. You know, we were kind of like all-access areas, and so, no, I, I, I'm a very spiritual person, That's for sure. so funny on so many <laughs> levels i i went to an all-girl catholic high school <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know the yeah. nuns but had- I, loved ca- I think all-girl catholic school is great because you know i think you really learned it well first of all there was a group of girls that ran the school so it wasn't just the debate kids the drama kids the math kids the political science kids stuff like that you were able to really kind of be in all the clubs and so you didn't have to you know, you weren't stuck. Oh, well, a boy has to do this. Oh, I love, I, I, I love, gen, you know, those type of schools. All girls, all yeah. boys. It, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're yourself, right? Yeah. You can be yourself. None of the totally. other social sexy stuff that's going on. I mean, I mean, it went on, but not at school, right? Oh, if anything, it was more exciting because you weren't, you know, it wasn't around you 24-7. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We unfortunately have just a couple minutes left. Any practical beauty tips you can share? Hmm. Uh, well, beauty tips. I'll tell you, I'm big on colors for people because I feel like most women, and I see this all the time. I was just having a conversation yesterday about it. It's like people who do not realize that there are some colors that work on you and some colors that don't. And it's not so much, you know, you, you get your colors done, although that might be a good place to start. But you know when you put something on and you feel great, usually it's a great color on you. But if, if you put something on and you, get, you look like you should be hooked up to an IV, Get rid of it. You know, I, I recommend, if you, if you ever came to my house, you would see that no matter where I sat, no matter where I, you know, stand, everything in my house looks good on me because I knew I'd be photographed in it a lot. So I took a mirror and I took all the fabrics that I might be using or a pillow or sheets or towels or whatever, and I thought, I want everything to go with my skin tone <laughs> in case I end up using it in a photo session. And I'm like that with my closet as well. Very rarely will you see a color on me that doesn't work. And, you know, I've had terrible mistakes early on in my career. Somebody would put me in something that was just terrible. And then I'd say, oh, my gosh, who talked me into that horrible color? So I think one of the ways, and you can do a total health fake over with this as well. You know, find the colors that really work on you. Stick out your tongue. That's the color your lip liner should be. You know, look at your freckle color. That's the color, you know, your blush should go with your freckle color if that's, you know, try different things and you'll know from looking in the mirror. But make sure you use, you, you test it in natural light. So that's like a little beauty tip. Uh, sleep is the cure-all. I've never seen a problem, uh, bags under your eyes or a pimple not go away, you know, a problem with those things, not go away from a good night's sleep. I mean, it just really, it resets your brain. It helps your memory. It's, uh, you know, so many different things. So sleep is a cure-all. 
make sure you get enough of that and water for sure. And, you know, liquids are very important. Most people make the mistake of having a lot of sodas or a lot of caffeine or coffee or whatever. So it's important to uh, stay well hydrated, you know, shake up those... uh, that lymphatic massages. Also, skin brushing. I've been body brushing since 1979. It makes a huge difference in your skin, the texture of your skin. Your largest organ is your uh, skin. I don't care who you are. And you, your body wants to shed two pounds of toxins a day. So help it out by skin brushing. Do long sweeping strokes towards your heart with a good, nice, dry sauna brush. Do it before you work out, before you shower. Do not do it in the shower. It'll pull your skin. Even though Closer Magazine misquoted me, I said, do it before the shower. They said, do it in the shower. It's do it before. Do it with, it's a dry sauna brush. That makes a big difference. So, Mary Lou, you've got so much great information. I encourage you. our listeners to go out, read your books, check out your website. We're going to link um, to your website on Living Wealthy Radio and also have um, the podcast. But thank you so much for coming on the show today. So excited and thank you. you're absolutely stunning. Love your energy. Oh. Certainly someone to, um, to to have as a coach, right? And that's why you've got those books because that's, I think, what you wanted to, to be for people. Uh, thank you. Uh, so thank you again. Okay. Well, take care. You too. And I will talk to you soon. God Very bless. Soon. Okay. Mm, right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio on Talk 1370 and streaming live at Talk1370.com. I'm Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com. is for educational and informational purposes only. The info being presented does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation and does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax advisor or legal counsel or other professional and you should not use the information in place of a personal consultation regarding your specific situation or needs prior to taking any action based on this information. We believe the info provided is reliable but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.